We've been doing this series called Revealing the Unchanging God. Revealing the Unchanging God. And we're in part two of our series today. And I don't know if you've noticed, but on my social media feeds, I've seen everybody posting pictures of the kids in high school, the seniors. This is their last day at school because, you know, all the seniors, especially the year 13 students, um, they, they aren't studyly. Well, we hope they're studying. And, 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 and it got me thinking back when I was in high school, my last year at school. Um, I mean, uh, you know you're old when you used to be called seven formers. Anybody remember seven form? Before you, yeah, yeah, that's right. I was a seven former before I became year 13. Now, and I kind of think when it's your last year at school, the teachers show more grace towards you. you uh, I seem to get away with everything. I remember one time it was pouring with rain. I went to one of the, 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 the greatest schools in Auckland, Mongier High School. Mongier High School, a.k.a. Mangere College. And, um, and I remember like I was pouring rain, had my umbrella, I got to school late. And, um, and when you get to school late, you have to go to, uh, especially Mangana College, you have to go to, the, go to the hall to get a pass to get into class. And if you didn't have a note from your parents, automatically on detention. So walk into the, I go in there, there's the principal and there's the assistant principal. Assistant principal had a nickname because she was like a bulldog. I don't want to tell you what the nickname was. So I get there and everyone's all lined up and all the juniors and I walk in with my umbrella. And then the principal goes, uh, so why are you late? I was like... It rained so hard, I couldn't hear my alarm. That's what I said. I said that, and all of a sudden, he burst out laughing, and then the assistant principal burst out laughing. And and they go, here's your hall pass, and because you made us laugh this morning, no detention for you. Grace, God's favor upon my life. See, you know, when we look at this word gracious in, in the contemporary English language typically means you're kind or you're courteous or even delightful. And we hear this word described as someone who, uh, who is, has a kind attitude towards them. Wow, that person was so, so gracious to that rude stranger, right? This, this term gracious. And, and, and this word gracious is, is, is applied to someone that we enjoy being around because, because they bring light and they bring life to everything. This person's so gracious. We love being around people who are Gracious, but we also experience the other side, the other side of not experiencing grace from people, where people withhold grace from you. You you ever had people withhold grace from you? And sometimes you wonder, will they ever be gracious towards me? Would I ever see that grace? And some people never do. Or maybe you're here in this room and you're withholding grace, but whatever the situation, it's never nice. It's never nice. So these definitions of grace and gracious can be connected to the idea that, that, that gracious is to extend kindness or to show delight towards someone even if they don't deserve it. That's kind of this idea of grace, to extend kindness and show delight towards someone who may or may not deserve it. That's what this word grace, this idea, and these two meanings are also connected to the Hebrew word of gracious. So let's go to our verse. And, and, and our verse for our series comes out of Exodus chapter 34, Verse 6, it's the most quoted verse within, within the Old Testament. It's because many of the, the biblical writers are quoting who God is. This is who he is. And if you want to know who God is, Exodus 34 verse 6 describes who he is. And it's really interesting because it's God revealing who he is to Moses. He's revealing, this is who I am. Exodus chapter 30, 34 verse 6 says this, And Yahweh 
Yahweh passed before men proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. That's who God is. Yahweh, Yahweh, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. So last week we looked at the first one, which was, which was compassionate. If you missed it, that's okay. Just you can go on our YouTube channel or podcast. Have a listen to that if you want to. But this word gracious, this is the, the second um, key word within the sentence. And we're going to be looking at that today. And this word gracious in Hebrew is the word kahanun. Kahanun. You've got to kind of feel like a cough. Kahanun. Last week I would have been able to do it really well because I had a bit of a clunky voice. But this Hebrew word for gracious is related to the noun kahin. Kahin. Trying to be speak. Anybody speak Hebrew here? Kahin. Kahin. And the word kahin is often translated as grace or favor. And one meaning of kahin is delightful and favorable. Like in Psalms 45, verse 2, it described the school poet is said to have lips of kahin, lips of grace, that, that he can craft beautiful words and it brings delight. Like my words, I spoke to the principal. Wow, raining so hard that. Didn't hear the alarm, and I brought the light to the principal as he burst out laughing. My, my, it was my, I had lips of kahin, lips of grace. Like, like if I sing to you right now, I'm giving you, I'm gonna give you a, a, a gift. No, no, I'm not gonna do that. That's not a gift. Or in Proverbs chapter one verse nine, it's described as a dazzling piece of jewelry. So, so kahin or grace, it it's, it attracts attention and favor. And this is why kahin is often described as a gift. Given in delight or favor. Like last week, you know, I celebrated um, my 48th birthday. Because people are like, how old is he? 48 years old. I said it. I'm okay with it. I feel I can move on now with my life. And, and, um, and on the 1st of November, All Saints Day, when the saints are born, my grandson was staying when he's two years old, and and and, oh, and the rest of the family came in. They wish they sang happy birthday to me, and now I was sitting in the lounge. My two-year-old grandson jumps on my lap and he goes, "Papa, papa!" And my, my two-year-old grandson began to sing happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to you, you know, happy birthday, dear papa. And I was like, ah, oh. right then it's kahin. My grandson was giving me a gift, like when someone does a haka for you. They're honoring you, and they're giving you a gift. This is kahin, kahin. So like in Esther chapter 8, verse 3, Esther approaches the king of Persia, because the king of Persia kind of was manipulated and issuing a decree to have all Jews destroyed. Right through history, we begin to see this right through history. Wherever Jews go, there are, been, there always been people have been against them. Kind of really interesting what's happening now. It's just like the way the media has, has done things. And so, and so she approaches the king of Persia. And she asked to ask the king if, if he could spare her people from death. And she calls this re- request a request of Kahin. Kahin. And because the king delights in Esther, he favors her. He grants her her wish. So the king is giving her a gift of favor, a gift of Kahin. Now, this is motivated by delight. See, the, the king didn't listen to her. Oh, actually, that makes sense. Actually, maybe we, I will spare the people. No, he spared the people because 
she brought favor to his eyes. She was a delight to come into his presence. And she gave, and he gave her a gift of Kahin. It was motivated by delight. By delight. And the most extreme kind of Kahin is, is showing favor to someone who doesn't deserve it. That's the most extreme kind of Kahin. Showing favor to someone who doesn't deserve it. Like Jacob who cheated his brother Esau. If you're familiar with with scripture in Genesis, you read this, read scripture. Man, Jacob, man, he was cunning, sly. This guy, and he, he was, he's, Jacob actually means the deceiver, and he deceives his brother. He's, he robs, he steals, he deceives him and robs him of his birthright and his final blessing. And his brother's like, "I'm gonna kill this guy," and he takes off. Twenty years later, Jacob comes back, comes back, and, and he's like, and he and he and he wants. And he, and, he, and he reached out to a brother. He wants to make it right. And he sends all this cattle ahead trying to, as gifts to him. So maybe, maybe he can receive this gift. In Genesis 33 verse, it says this. Esau asked, what's the meaning of all these flocks and herds I met? To find Cahen. To find favor in your eyes, my Lord, he said. Jacob isn't asking what is fear, but he's asking for favor. May you show favor on me. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve your favor, but may you show favor on me. And, and, and Esau gives him favor because Esau chooses to, to, to delight in his brother. Not focus on what has happened. He, he chooses to focus to, to delight in his brother and show him grace that he doesn't deserve. So, so Cahen requires a generous spirit that we sometimes have, right? We sometimes have because you know where my wife, when Portal first met me, she was like, man, Ants, Ants is always gracious. He's always gracious until we got married. Then she discovered that Ants is sometimes gracious, right? I like to think that Ants is most times gracious, but it's very subjective. But here's the thing, God is always gracious. He is gracious. He's always favorable towards you. He always is and that's why in the Bible, God is the one who shows more kahin than anyone else. Anyone else. Like in Exodus, when God rescued the children of Israel from slavery from Egypt, he delivers them through the Red Sea, brings them to a place called Elam where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. And he brings them to Mount Sinai. And he says, you will be my people, a kingdom of priests. And, and he lays down this, this covenant agreement, the Ten Commandments. And the people agree, yes. We will follow your commandments. It's kind of like, think of a wedding, uh, think of a wedding when, when, when two people are coming together and, and speaking vows. God lays out, uh, here's the Ten Commandments. But yes, we will agree. We will agree. And then the very next chapter, what do we find? The children of Israel, they turn their back on God. They betray God. And instead of, instead of giving Him allegiance, they build for themselves a golden calf. A golden calf idol, which they give their allegiance to. Like it's, it's, it's equivalent to cheating on someone on your wedding night. That's exactly what happened. And God was like, you know what? See, the most, I'm not going to go with your, these people. These people don't even want me. I'm not going to go with them. I'm just going to go and do my own thing. So Moses intercedes, and he, and he begins to intercede and steps in the gap. He prays for the people. And he, and he asks God to give the people a gift that they don't deserve. Exodus 33, verse 16. How will anyone know that you look favorable on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? 
For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the other people on the earth. These, the very people that cheated on, can you imagine you on your wedding day and the person you just did vows to, they cheated on you that night. This is exactly what happened to God. And God says, I will forgive. I will be with you. You may turn your back on me, but I will never turn my back on you. You may cheat on me. You may sleep around, but I will always be there for you. This is, this, is what, this is the grace, the kahin, that God shows. So when God created man, he places man within a garden. And in the garden, he plants a tree. He says, you can eat all the other fruits in the garden, but this tree, the tree of knowledge of what is good and bad, or good and evil, don't eat it from this fruit, because if you eat from this tree, you will die. But also, And there was another tree called the tree of life. When you eat of this tree, you get eternal life. So eternal life wasn't a right. It was a gift. God gives humanity eternal life. This is a gift from me to you, to sustain you. And there is a tree in here that you can choose life or you can choose death. So why will God put a tree like this in the garden? Anyway, because one of the gifts that God gives us is free will. Gives you free will. Why? Because that's what love does. If, if you're forced to love someone, that's not love. That's not love at all. To be forced to love someone is not love at all. So he places a tree so that man could exercise his will to obey or disobey. To trust God or not to trust God. But what, what does humanity do? They take the opportunity to seize the fruit so they can define for themselves what is good and evil in my own eyes? Not trusting God's wisdom. I'm going to trust in my own wisdom. Isn't that so true of our own lives? That no one's going to tell me what to do. No one's going to tell me what's good or bad. I define what's good and bad in my own eyes. And I continue to take and define it for myself. I'm not trusting you. Certainly not trusting God. I trust myself for, for my truth. My truth is king. My truth is God. And humanity forfeit their right of eternal life. We reject God and we carry on our way. This is called sin. Sin. We choose eternal death because we choose sin. We, we, we reject God's gift of eternal life. We reject, reject God's graciousness. And we choose our own way that lead, leads to death. And the biblical, biblical prophets, they know this and and they begin to look back at God's kahin. They look, look, look back in the past and how God acted favorably. And they boldly declare that God will one day show kahin again. That he will deliver his people, all people, all creation from death and ruin. And this brings us to the New Testament. And John, John begins to pen as he begins to sit there and he begins to write back, think back about his time with Jesus. And he begins to write down these words. John chapter 1 verse 14. And he says, And the word became flesh. And God became flesh, became a human being, and dwelt among us. God made his home among us. Emmanuel, God is with us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is as of the only son from the father, full of grace. Here's our word, 
grace and truth. Jesus is God's glorious grace become human. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is God's glorious grace become human. Sent into a world of people trapped in darkness and death. And God hands humanity over to what they want. Because he loves you too much to force you to love him. So he hands us over to what we want. To the destructive consequences of our selfish desires. But I love what the Apostle Paul says. He writes in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. For it is by grace, there's our word. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. And he takes this, this concept of kahin. And he throws it all together in this one passage. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. And this is important because because grace is this, described as a gift given to you by faith. and it's, You can't earn this. You can't do anything good. You, you can't earn this. God gives it to you for free. Because whether you know God or not, you may be in this room and you're not sure if God exists. But inherently, as human beings, we're like, we, something inside of us tells us, I need a change. Whether you go to church or not, I need to stop doing this thing. I, I, I need to... Turn a new leaf. Something inside of us. Because you know why? Because God created you. His spirit lives inside of you. Whether you know him or not. And, and, and we're like, you know what? I've got to be good because I don't know. There's, there's something out there. And if, if I'm good, then God or whatever's out there will let me into heaven. And that's why your view on God determines how you relate to him. What is your view on God? Because if your view on God is that you have to do all these brownie points. You have to do all these good things. The problem with that view is that, that we continue to live with this pressure of not messing up. Right? Like, okay, okay, that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop being, I'm, I'm going to stop saying bad things, about talking harshly to my kids. And then, okay, great. I'm getting closer to heaven. And then we mess up. But it's more like two, three times. Because oh, let me do that again. I'm going I'm to be more, more, more loving. And we mess up. And we do more of the moonwalk than we do moving towards where we think we need to be. And this is the problem when we think that God has some kind of brownie point system. That if I do all these good things, then, then he will love me. But that's not who God is. Because God is gracious. He loves you. He loved you so much that he steps into his creation and the word became flesh. And God became human and on the cross. Because we chose the tree of death, he took the consequences of our sin that leads to death and he absorbs it in his body. And on the cross, he pays the penalty for eternal death. And God gives a gift to humanity, himself. But we have a choice, right? Free will. Because here's the thing. God once again gives humanity the gift of eternal life. Jesus. I took the death within me. I took the punishment. We can choose. We can choose to receive this gift. We can choose, nah, it's all good. I'll take, I'll just stay in my sinful life that leads to death. It's our choice. The God 
offer the gift of eternal life, Jesus, to humanity. It's a free gift. You don't deserve it. I don't, certainly don't deserve it. But he offers it with delight because he delights in you. So what does this mean for us? It means you don't have to struggle in your sin on your own. It means that you can be free of guilt and regret. It means that your past no longer defines you. It means that when we receive the gift of grace, I can be free of all that because Jesus is God's glorious grace become human. It doesn't mean that you won't mess up. It means that you don't have to live there anymore. Because salvation, because good works doesn't lead to salvation because we keep messing up. But salvation leads to good works. Because when we come to the cross, we're not perfect. It sets us free from the punishment of sin. We're still going to mess up. But you're not on your own anymore. You don't have to live there anymore. Because the more you hang with someone, the more you become like them. And Jesus, come with me and be like me. Because he loves you. It means come as you are. And God will do the rest. You know, when I was 18, I, I first received Christ when I was 18. I've got two um, testimonies. Because, you know, we're human beings, we mess up. And then I've got another testimony of coming back to the Lord when I found Elam. But when I was 18, I was raw. It was the end of seventh form year. I, I, I accepted this gift, making lots of mistakes. God was very gracious with me. And I remember like six months later, I'm, I'm go, I go to MIT, um, uh, Monaco Institute of Technology in Otaro. And, uh, and I'm catching a bus home, catching a bus from Otaro back to Mangere. And I'm sitting there and I've noticed there's this guy. He's like, because um, all the cool kids sit at the back, that's where I was. And I see this guy, he's going from row to row. I was like, what's this guy doing? And then he's getting close, I overheard his conversation. He's talking about Jesus. And I was like, oh, I got excited. Because, hey, I'm a Christian. I hope he sits next to me. And he sits next to me. And he goes, are you a Christian? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Then he goes, do you go to church? He goes, yeah, I go to church. Do you go to church every day? I was going, yeah, I go every day. Do you read your Bible? Yeah. Every day. Oh, sorry. Every Sunday? Yeah, every Sunday. Yeah. Go to church every Sunday. Do you read your Bible? Yes. Every day? Yes. And he started probing all these questions. I started to get this feeling that his questioning was leading to a trap. Then he asked me this question, do you evangelize? And I was like, man, I'm only six months in the Lord. I don't even know what the word evangelize is. And, he's, and, he's, and he says, and, he, and, I, and he's, it's just like what I'm doing on the bus. He goes, no, I don't do that. And he says, and call yourself a Christian. Oh, there's the trap. I was a bit upset because I didn't realize there were Christians like this. I thought every Christian I met were the nicest people in the world. And oh man, I had this rude awakening. And I was like, so I said to him, I said, look, if you died right now, you stood before God and God asked you, why should I let you into heaven? Are you going to tell him because I read my Bible every day, I go to church every Sunday and I begin to recite his, his list to me, right? I'm not saying all that stuff is great, but there's a difference. I, I don't do that stuff so I can get to heaven. Man, all my relationship with Jesus, and I found myself naturally doing this. Jesus transformed me. I'm not me trying to make some kind of brownie points, trying to get into heaven. And I go through his list, and, he, and I said, is, is, is that your answer? And he said, yes, that's my answer. I said, you're wrong. 
And he looked at me, he goes, who are you? I'm an evangelist. Who are you, some guy on the bus? And then I said, look, it's not what you have done. It's what Jesus has done. That's, that's what he has done. It's nothing to do with me. I'm terrible. It's what he has done. He set me free. Not my good works. He set me free. Jesus. And then he says to me, where does that say in the Bible? Oh, there you go. Test you, eh? I've never memorized scripture in my life. Never. I was terrible at it. And I opened up my mouth and out came Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It is by grace you've been saved, not by works where you may boast. And then oh, it got to Odahu because that's my connection. I said, hey, you know why no one's on this bus is, is, is being drawn to you? It's because you, you haven't come to love them. You've come to judge them. Then I jumped off the bus in Odahu and I was like, I'm the man. No, 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 this is what I was like. There is a God. Like, there is a Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. Like, how do these words come out? I have, what do I know? I'm just a boy from Mangare. There is a God. And I was just going to end there, but I just felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to talk about Matthew chapter 18. It's about the unforgiving servant. And, and, and I, I cut it because I didn't want to take all your time but I really felt the Holy Spirit speak about this because this because the, the story in Matthew 18 is, is the king calls to account all his all his workers and, and he found one worker that owed him millions of dollars so the king grabs him and he says okay that's it you're going to jail to work you're going to be sold as a slave your family's going to be sold as a slave so you can pay back what you owe and he begs and he asks the king for favor and the king grants him favor and this guy, he, he, he's off and, he, and then he's off doing his own thing. And he finds someone, finds another person who owed him thousands of dollars. And he grabs him from his neck because you owe me thousands of dollars. He says, sorry, I can't pay. Please show me a favor. No, I'm th- throwing him, selling off the slavery until you can pay me every dollar. The king finds out. King finds out. And he reverses. The whole, yeah, I showed you favor, but you did not show favor to your fellow men. Now, the reason why I want to share this with you because... This is, the king, this is the kingdom of God. This isn't about people who aren't followers of Jesus. This is about people who are followers of Jesus. It's talking about you and me. About how much God has forgiven us. How much God has shown His grace towards us. And how easy it is for us to, to hold something against somebody for what they did to me. And God is saying, can you be gracious so I, just like your father is gracious, to, sh- to show Kahin, to show for people mess up. People in your life are going to mess up. People you love are going to mess up. Can you show Kahin? Because God loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much for you to stay in your sinful state. And when people are willing to own their their own failures, and ask God for grace. He has a consistent and generous response because God gives himself, his life, his love. And this is what it means that God is gracious. As with any gift, all one has to do is receive it. Receive Jesus.
Because Jesus is God's glorious grace. Become human. Come on, let us pray.